Welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And today we're going to be diving into the Pete Davidson uh, 2020 comedy film directed by Judd Apatow, uh, The King of Staten Island. This uh, this is all Pete Davidson, uh, kind of about his life and his upbringing. And it's personally, I think it's a really good movie. I had fun watching it. Uh, it's pretty long. It's two hours and 17 minutes, I think, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched it last night, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. But it's a fun movie, and it's not like... It doesn't super stick to Pete Davidson's uh, childhood and how he grew up, but it's very similar. It's got a lot of similarities, a couple differences, and we'll get into those. Um, But one of the bigger things about his character is that he is an aspiring tattoo artist who is not the greatest at making tattoos, but um, he boasts all the tattoos on his own body and tattoos his friends and stuff. Um, And I don't have any tattoos on me. I have four. I got four tattoos. And I was I was also the same age when I got my first tattoo as Pete Davidson's character is in this movie, which I found pretty funny and a little bit relatable. Yeah, I, I don't have... I'm a clean slate. I'm a blank slate. Um, there were, like, times where I considered getting a tattoo and then it never happened. I'm sure at some point I will. Who knows? Maybe I'll just stay a blank slate forever. Uh, but I personally, I know a lot of people have issues with tattoos. I don't have any issues with tattoos. I'm not like, oh man, I would never get a tattoo because then it's a permanent thing on my body. It's like the reason you got the tattoo is so it would be a permanent thing on your body. Like, so I'm sure at some point I will get one. I just don't have any right now. I mean, no rush because you know, it is on you forever. So wait for something that you actually want, like to have on you forever to before you get one like I have some tattoos that don't really mean anything to me and they're just cool and they just look cool and that's fine by me like some people would prefer each of their tattoo to have meaning I have a few tattoos with meaning but I I personally think it's okay to just get something you think looks cool and I mean as long as you trust that eventually you'll still like it 40 50 60 years from now then that's all that matters yeah what are your thoughts on um on drunk like random tattoos because i think they look just watching like people get them i think it looks cool to watch and it's like oh it's so fun to watch but then like the next morning when you wake up and it says like some random girl's name on your leg and you're like who's that it's i don't know yeah Uh, (laughs) i think i think i've been there and i've watched a couple of buddies of mine get drunk tattoos of just like random random things right Mm -hmm. and i i mean Drunk tattoos are definitely a dangerous game. <laughs> I have not gotten any drunk tattoos. I probably won't. I usually, even when I'm pretty uh, feeling it pretty good, I, I still would be like, nah, I don't really want that right now. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it's funny to watch. It's cool to watch. Um, But I don't think I'd ever get one. I don't know. You'd have to get me pretty drunk. Uh, But it, it's, I mean, some people just like to do that and have fun with it. And they don't really care. And I totally get that. Um. You can get a tattoo in places where no one's ever going to see it unless you're, like, completely naked or something. Um, I see a lot of people get drunk tattoos on, like, their upper thigh because, like, no one's going to see that, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty hidden spot. I've now set a new goal, and my new goal in life is to get you drunk and get you a Diamond movie cast tattoo. No! (laughs) Oh, man, I'll get it right on my left (laughs) butt cheek. 
I'll have a nice big dive in movie cap. It's just hidden my left there. Butt and then when I ha- when they get a wife, they'll be like, "What is that tattoo?" I'll be like, "Well, if you haven't heard, the Dive in Movie Cast is the best film podcast out there now. Now streaming on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcast, Anchor, and Google Podcast. <laughs> uh, that's how I'll uh, that's how I'll show. That's like my brand deal. Is like, hey, check out the Dive in Movie Cast, and I turn and I moon the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I who knows who knows when I'll get a tattoo and what it'll be I mean I've thought about it lots of times and I my dad's thought about it too um he hasn't got one either uh but I don't know it just has to be for me it has to be something that's very sentimental and meaningful um I there was one point where I wanted to get uh for the longest time I've had the nickname of dad because I'm essentially the responsible one of the friend group um and there was one point where i wanted to get dad tattooed on me i'm kind of glad i didn't yeah Um, i can agree with that in retrospect looking back at how that's probably a good choice that you didn't i think that that must have been like two or three years ago yeah it was during high during grad year in particular yeah i it would have been iconic though but i mean i think at this point in my life i would have been like why on earth did i get dad tattooed on my leg or something yeah I like I like to think that I'd be like the friend to Pete Davidson's character in this movie where he's like, can I tattoo you? I need to practice. And I'd be like, sure. I probably wouldn't unless it was like, I don't know, hidden because some of his friends in this movie, like, you know, um, Rico from Hannah Montana is in this movie. Yeah. And, and he has a cat tattooed around his belly button with his <laughs> belly button serving as the cat's butthole. <laughs> I would never let my friend do something like that, but I mean, maybe I'd let him practice on like my leg if he was an aspiring tattoo artist, you know? That's a great line in that movie. I forgot that was in there because he I, he shows the tattoo and he's like, I love this tattoo. It reminds me that I have a belly button. And I'm like, <laughs> Why are you going to forget that, man? Because like, he spent so long looking at it as a cat's butt that he just forgets what its actual purpose is. He forgets that it's actually his belly button. I don't think I would ever really willingly have somebody else who's not a professional tattoo artist tattoo me honestly like i think i think you're right there's i've seen a lot of people who do like cool stick and poke tattoos and that's different because it's not a needle gun um and they're usually fairly simple um but i don't think i would ever let someone who isn't already a trained professional tattoo my body yeah oh yeah i agree that's fair then I'm going to get, like, a messed up goldfish or something. Uh, like, who knows, you know? <laughs> You're talking about goldfish, and one of our friends got a drunk tattoo of a goldfish. So I just... That might have been why I said it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll get a tattoo. Maybe it'll be a dive-in movie cast tattoo. Maybe you've just predicted the future. Who knows? Someday. Right on my forehead. Dive-in movie cast. <laughs> Self- walking self-promotion 24-7. <laughs> Exactly. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you was, where is your most, which tattoo out of the four tattoos that you have was the most painful? So I have one on my upper shoulder, and I have two on my wrist, just to fill in the audience here, mm-hmm. and then and then one on my collarbone. And surprisingly enough, the one along my collarbone, which is just font, so it like didn't take very long. It's just text. Uh, that one wasn't the most painful. I want to say that the one on my upper shoulder was probably the most painful because it has to wrap around and it, there was an area where he was on bone for a while and that was not good. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say probably my, my upper shoulder. Yeah. My aunt, um, 
she has a tattoo on the top of her foot. And I've heard the foot hurts a lot because it's, I mean, essentially what your foot is, is it's a lot of nerves and tendons and bones, essentially. Um, so I've heard the upper foot hurts a lot. I've heard the bottom of the foot hurts a lot, too, because there's a lot of, uh, like, nerves down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be obsessed with watching, there's like this, I can't even remember what it's called. It's on, like, TLC or something. Um, but it's like a tattoo artist, um, showdown kind of thing. It's like Top Chef, but with tattoo artists. Cool. Um, and I I used to be obsessed with watching it and they would get the most like ridiculous requests for tattoos to like challenge them. And I felt so bad for this one dude because they were doing hand tattoos and hand tattoos are hard because the skin on your hand replaces itself a lot. Like if people have dry hands or... Like, the dead skin on their hands comes off. If you don't tattoo deep enough, it'll just come out, you know? And so I was watching that, and, oh, that looked like it hurt. Like, because your hand is so sensitive to everything. It's all about touch, that kind of stuff. So, like, a needle going into your hands, that, mm, mm. <laughs> Yeah. It just hurts to think about. I've always um thought about getting a hand tattoo someday, and... Maybe I'll go through with it. My cousin has a hand tattoo, and yeah, I feel like that would just suck a lot. Like I feel like that would really hurt. Well, especially on like, on like the top of your hand, where I mean, my hands are pretty skinny, uh, so I can pretty much see like the tendons on the top of my hands, Mm -hmm. um, and like on the knuckles and that kind of stuff. It's a lot of bone, not a lot of skin, so I feel like that would be pretty painful. Yeah, but to a certain degree, though, like a part of um, there's a line that Pete Davidson says in this movie where someone asks him, why do you have so many tattoos? Why do you like it so much? He's like, I don't know. I just I find it relaxing. And then he's like, what what about this is relaxing? And he's like, just you know, when you're getting a tattoo and it just hits bone and your entire body freezes up. It's like it's played for comedy, but to a certain degree, obviously, that's a joke. But. Yeah, there's something weirdly relaxing about getting a tattoo, and it like it really hurts, but the entire time you're doing it, it's like this weird sense of like sort of satisfying. And you like after you have a tattoo, you kind of crave getting another tattoo, which is weird considering how much it hurts, you know? Yeah, I I've been told that by a friend of mine who I go to, uh, who is in acting school with me, and he has I think he almost has a full sleeve if I remember correctly of just a bunch of little tattoos and he's told me like you once you get one you just want more and his look really good he's got a whole bunch of them it was funny he told me a story uh there was one night where he was watching it with like a couple of our other friends from the acting class and he has a little red balloon on his arm um and he, one of our friends didn't notice that until after he watched the movie and then he saw the balloon. He was like, what the? Like, freaked <laughs> him out so bad. Um, but, I mean, I to- kudos to those people who um, are willing to go through with, like, the crazy tattoos that they love, like full back tattoos and things like that. Um, for a lot of people there, it's a lot of meaning behind that, and it's really awesome. I enjoy hearing about people's tattoos and seeing people's tattoos and learning the story behind them, whether it's just like a fun drunk night with your friends or a super meaningful moment that happened in your life. Um, and so kudos to the people who uh, will get those and then love to tell 
the story because there's always a story behind every tattoo and i think that's the best part about a tattoo is that there's some kind of story behind it mm-hmm. for sure and since we've been talking now about meaningful tattoos let's i think shift to the topic of the king of staten island which is a movie filled with not so meaningful tattoos <laughs> yeah exactly now that we've been talking about how deep and interesting some tattoos can be let's talk about some Really messed up tattoos that Pete Davidson gives to people. <laughs> uh, so this movie is a comedy. It's directed by Judd Apatow, and it is written by him and Pete Davidson. And it is a semi-autobiographical movie of Pete Davidson's life with the character that he plays, Scott, uh, serving as a sort of what-if scenario on if he didn't make it into stand-up comedy and if he didn't get uh, famous, who would he be right now? And, yeah, that's sort of the basis for the movie, I think, when they pitched it to the studio. Yeah, it's it essentially follows a loose idea of what Pete Davidson's life was like. There's a lot of moments that are uh, very specific and meaningful to Pete Davidson and his actual life, um, such as how in the movie uh, Scott, which is the character that Pete Davidson plays, his dad died as a fireman who was uh, in a fire, essentially trying to rescue people out of a hotel when in reality pete davidson his father was also a firefighter but died uh tragically in 9-11 mm -hmm. um and so it has that same like character development where lost your dad as a firefighter young age i think um i think scott says he was seven yeah or which maybe is that's, no that's the same age as pete davidson actually was and that's the same age as the character too yeah um and obviously that's going to be a super traumatic moment for anyone, especially a seven-year-old. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, we also have uh, Pete Davidson's sister, who is played by... Hang on a second, I have it here in my notes. It's played by uh, Maude Apatow. Yeah, Jen um, Apatow's daughter. Yeah. And uh, Pete Davidson also had a sister uh, who was just too young to really know their dad before he died and so we see that as well in the movie with her character um so there's a lot of moments in this movie that are very reminiscent of his childhood and there's other moments that are kind of loosely based on it but it's pretty much about his life mm -hmm. and uh pete davidson he's you know if, if you've seen his stand-up and you've watched any of pete davidson's work he's a very pessimistic type humor comedian with a lot of his jokes being like dark humor and that is reflected in this character like his writing style is very clearly imprinted on this movie it, i mean i know it's a pete davidson life story but it, it feels like his writing style even the comedy that is in this movie uh it feels like stuff that you'd see in his stand-up which i think plays into one of your issues with the movie yeah um i mean it's not an issue it's not a huge issue i have with the movie like you can when you watch this movie uh i could clearly tell at least that it was written by a stand-up writer and when you're writing stand-up um, jokes and comedy and all that stuff, there's a certain way you kind of do it where um, when you make a joke, you essentially set up this joke and uh, when people laugh, you kind of start diving into the joke more to really get at those like weird points about the joke. Um, and you see that a lot in this movie where I personally think some of the jokes go on too long. Mm -hmm. and it feels like... It's clearly written by a stand-up comedian uh, because, for example, there's a scene where they're 
where we've got Scott and he is working at a uh, pizzeria or something like that, or it's like a restaurant um, as a waiter. And at the end of the night, they have essentially what is Fight Club for their tips, and whoever wins essentially gets their tips. So it's Pete Davidson's turn to fight, and he obviously doesn't want to fight, but the other dude's like, oh, I'm going to beat you up because I want these, tip- these tips. And it kind of they kind of like dance around each other for a little too long, and it feels like a stand-up joke because he's making all these weird like I could probably make this scene into a stand-up joke. For example, I was there was one time in my childhood where I worked at a a restaurant, and to get our tips, we literally had to fight club style fight each other just to get tips so you get suited up with boxing gloves that were big Hulk hands like I was the Hulk and I was about to beat this dude up for his tips but I felt like Bruce Banner because I didn't want to fight anyone and so we'd be tiptoeing around the ring and like all this stuff and we see that actively happen in the scene um, where they're kind of making fun of each other and it goes on for a little too long and we're in this weird limbo where we're like okay where did the punchline happen because the punchline hasn't happened yet literally the punchline, um, where the other staff member punches Scott in the face and then throws his gloves at his uh, groin. Um, and so it's just kind of these weird moments of, I see there's a joke here and I see it happening, but without the audience laughter that we usually get in a stand-up joke, it feels like it's going on too long. Right. Because um, we see a stand-up joke and they say something funny, the audience laughs, they say they continue the story by going a little deeper and pointing out the weird stuff, and the audience laughs again, and there's these breaks, but when we don't get that in a joke, and we get it in a movie, we're in this weird limbo where we're like, okay, and now what? Like, let's move on, let's keep going. And I think there's only a couple moments where I noticed it happen, but I think it would have, like, if they had gotten rid of those extra weird long jokes and things like that, they could have condensed the movie a lot more because another problem we have with it is how long it is. Like, it's two hours and 17 minutes long. And for me, that is, like, the big flaw with this movie is this movie is, like, a full half an hour to maybe even half an hour to 40 minutes too long. And, like, I really do enjoy this movie, and uh, obviously we'll discuss our ratings and get into more about it as we go on, but this movie's biggest... Uh, thing holding it back is how how long it is it is far too long with it being like a comma dramedy or com- com- comedy drama movie uh that it just clocks in at two hours and 17 minutes and by the time you get to the ending first off the tones are sort of distinctly like layered throughout the movie with the first hour being like more into the comedy side of it and the second half leaning more into the drama and that works for me, that that transition, but I just think that the first hour of the movie goes on way too long, and I think if there's anything that I'd cut out of this movie, it is a lot of the extra fat that is in the first 45 minutes in particular. For me, I didn't really find the movie picked up a lot of steam until we got to about the third act, and it's kind of reminiscent to his character. Uh, Scott is this uh, 24-year-old who's still living at home and smokes weed all the time and doesn't really care and is taking life slow almost a little too slow and we kind of see that through the beginning of the movie where it's going so slow and nothing is happening um and scott is just kind of living his life with no consequences um and that's like it's fine for a movie but it just goes on for too long like i understand that scott is this uh 
dude who doesn't care and isn't motivated and all that stuff. I don't need to see him not be motivated in about 17 different ways, you know? Right. Um, and if you had cut that down and we kind of got to the meat and bones of the movie a little better or a little quicker, I think it would have uh, really sped up the runtime and had me engaged quicker than by the time we get to the third act. Yeah, I agree because the plot, uh, without, you know, since we're going to try and discuss it in order of how it plays out, sort of kicks into gear around the time that Pete Davidson's character gets kicked out of his mom's house. And that is around, I want to say, like an hour and 20 minutes into the movie, maybe? No, it's at about an hour and 30. Is um, it? Because I paused. I think I paused before it, and it's around an hour and 30. So after an hour and 30 minutes of a movie, Pete Davidson gets kicked out, and that's kind of where it got me. Mm-hmm. which is I could have watched a full movie before I got to that point, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I agree. If they had just cut out like 30 minutes of that, of that first little subplot there, it takes up like a good half the movie. And I think it, it goes on far too long. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big things about that is I understand that, it's not like a movie movie where we have a big issue that our main character is really trying to figure out. It's more of like a identity play kind of style movie. And identity play is a play where we see a character kind of trying to figure out who he is and we see these different versions of him. A great example, uh, I think, don't quote me on this, uh, of an identity play is we see that in a musical called... Um, um, company where we have a character uh, who is trying to find love and we see him uh, being told how he should live his life and who he should love by all these other characters and he's just trying to figure out who he is and who he wants to love and how he loves someone and who he loves mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how this movie goes is we see Pete Davidson as a person uh, trying to figure out who he is and all that stuff, but I think the big issue is that he doesn't really care to do that. He doesn't have the motivation to figure out who he wants to be, and so I think that's why the beginning of this movie kind of drags on is because he we he lacks motivation, essentially, and of course, I know that's who his character is, and we are supposed to live through that um, with him as he tries to figure out who he is and, but at the same time doesn't care. And it just kind of makes the beginning a lot slower and there's no real problems and stakes for his character at the beginning because he's living his life and he doesn't care. Right. And we're supposed to care about this character who doesn't care. And that makes it hard for us to, um, really get invested at the beginning of this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. No, I could totally see how that would affect your ability to get invested into the plot. And, uh, like, this movie, I don't know, the trailers don't really convey how serious this movie is. Like, it, it is funny, but a lot of the movie is based out of the drama aspects leaning into uh, Pete Davidson's life. And and a lot of the, the horrible things that he... Not horrible things, but, you know, with ha- what happened with his father and everything, and just how he sort of shut off and had... He lost all his desire to do anything and move forward. And so it's a lot of it's played for laughs, but you really are watching this dude who has, he's just letting his own uh, resentment towards the world around him and resentment for 
where he is at in his life and he's just letting that sort of crush him and i mean a lot of the comedy does work particularly the stoner comedy when he's with his friends but i i remember you mentioning that some of the stuff that didn't work for you is when it tried to mesh the comedy with that that side of his life and his depression side of it right yeah um uh, i'll mention one of the jokes that kind of caught me off guard is at the beginning of this movie um like after we literally the first scene of this movie is Pete Davidson driving on a highway and he closes his eyes as he's driving almost as if he's about to commit suicide essentially like he just wants to drive into a car and crash and die and that is a super heavy thing to show at the very beginning of the movie because like that's literally how we start off but it's okay um cuz it sets up this character to be this character who's obviously like really torn down and there's something wrong with him and we learn that as we go on through the movie but then the next scene he's in a basement and his friends his stoner friends are making jokes about his dead dad there's literally a joke where one guy goes knock knock pete davidson goes who's there and he says not your dad and they all laugh about it and i don't know how to feel because i've just seen pete davidson almost kill himself Mm -hmm. and then people are making jokes about his dad, and Pete Davidson is acting like he doesn't care, but clearly he does. And so I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh at that or if I'm supposed to feel bad for him. Um, and then, like right after that, he goes upstairs. He goes and has sex with his friend, uh, and it's just like the beginning of this movie kind of sets up like all the dark humor right away. It kind of shows you, okay, this is gonna be dark humor, like you get this, this is what's going to happen. Um, but I don't really know if it works as well as it's intended to. I think someone with the kind of humor of dark humor and that kind of stuff, I think they would enjoy that joke. I have dark humor. I understand it. I did think it was funny. Um, but it's just, it's almost too abrupt and too sudden and doesn't have enough setup. Like, I don't even know at that point um, how Pete Davidson feels about his father. Uh, or anything like that. So when you hit me with a joke like that, I'm confused about how I should feel because I don't know how Scott feels. Right. Um, and that brings me to another thing about this movie, um, since we're talking about like the beginning and all that stuff, is one of my issues with this movie um, is stakes. And for people who don't know what stakes are, I've mentioned it before, but stakes are essentially what the main character or characters in a movie, TV show, play, book, whatever. Um, it's what they have to lose. Uh, and in this movie, in the beginning of this movie, he, uh, Pete's character doesn't really have anything to lose because he doesn't care. Even about his own life, he doesn't care. Um, and so it's hard as a viewer of this movie to care about his character because he doesn't care about himself. Mm-hmm. I also get it on the other angle um, where we can be sympathetic and say, wow, just like any other person in this movie, there's a lot of people who do care about him. And we can feel that way about those characters, but we don't get enough information from their side to feel empathetic with them. Right. Like the mother, we know that obviously she lost her husband and she's been going through a lot and it's been 17 years since she dated someone. Um. But when she's trying to connect with Pete Davidson, 
it it doesn't really work because we don't know enough about her as a person. We mm-hmm. don't know how she acts and all that stuff, and we only kind of get it from other characters telling us, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. And a really good example about stakes where I think um, a certain scene just didn't click for me with the stakes is um, the scene where Pete Davidson's sister gives uh, him a paint set, I think. Yeah, it's a paint set. Um, and it's before she's about to leave for college. And it's this argument scene that, in my opinion, I actually found a little cringy. I'm not going to lie. Um, just because this scene is supposed to feel like an argument, but the only thing they really argue about is uh, Pete Davidson's idea for a restaurant called Ruby Tattoos Days, where people eat food and watch people get tattoos. First um, off, let me say, I'd, I'd go there. I don't know if I'd occasionally go there, but everybody in this movie is like, nobody wants to go to a restaurant and watch people get tattoos. And I'm like, I'd try it out. Maybe once. Yeah. <laughs> maybe once or twice. I'd give it a, cho- I'd give it a shot. I would definitely eat like uh, some fried chicken while getting a tattoo. That would actually kind of be fun. I don't know. I'd give it a shot. Um, but it's kind of the only thing to argue about in this scene because everything else like there's a lot of big moments that could happen in the scene but just get blown off for example um pete davidson is talking and uh his sister's like you gotta give our mom a break like when i'm not here you gotta give her a break and he's like when am i gonna get my break and obviously we know he's been getting his break for his entire life he literally sits around and smokes weed and does nothing Mm -hmm. um and then instead of tackling that issue uh, his sister goes, what are you talking about? All ev- all anyone ever does is worry about you. But that doesn't really tackle the issue of him not realizing that he's constantly getting a break. We're now going on to the point of worrying about him. It kind of like subverts that. And then we get another moment um, where Scott talks about his dad and he's like, his sister says something along the lines of, "You're uh, at least you got to get to know him. And Scott's like, no, you're the lucky one because if you had gotten to know him, you would have known that he's, like, the best dude ever. Mm -hmm. And that obviously sets up problems for Scott really missing him and not being able to express those feelings to anyone and not talking about it. Yeah. But then his sister just goes to say, okay, but what are you going to do? Are you going to get a job? Like, we completely Mm -hmm. dodge this huge moment for Scott's character. I do agree that that scene... um leading up to that is not a great scene and in particular that one scene that moment right there that really works for me like where he's like you're lucky you didn't get to know him because if you did you would have realized he's like the coolest dude ever and then every day would suck because you'd be stuck in the same situation as me i like that and then i like i agree with you like the way they just sort of skip on to the next topic of conversation is sort of uh jarring a little bit just out of it just it messes up the potential for a scene that could really flesh out a character earlier than they end up actually doing it yeah, and it's this scene is literally full of huge moments that we could really dive into Scott and his sister's relationship. And we do get that idea where we are being told that um, Scott got to know their dad, but she never got to know him. We get that set up, but we never dive into it. And um, Scott has a lot of arguments, I think, in this movie that have these huge implications for his character. Um, but then he constantly shuts them down by agreeing with them. Like, his sister, in this scene, his sister's like, are you going to hurt yourself? And he goes, yeah, probably. If anyone could do it, it would be me. 
and he is literally saying that um, he could possibly hurt himself. And we've seen this already happen at the very beginning of the movie. And his sister does nothing about it. She doesn't tell anyone. Um, it goes nowhere. And I understand that that was probably a personal thing for Pete that he experienced. Um, and so it's it's hard to ask for stakes in a movie that's all about your life and to look for stakes that weren't there in the first place. Um, but when you have these huge moments and huge little things that are said in conversation that just get thrown to the side, it, it you lose interest because you're not being told the whole story. You're not really understanding what's wrong with him and why he needs to get better because he never dives into those issues in the first place and it's hard for us as viewers to watch this dude and feel bad for him and want him to get better when we don't even get to see the root of the real problem yeah and and on the other hand like i can see how from a creative standpoint how they were like okay let's set the character at the beginning of the movie at the lowest stakes of his life and just force the audience to live with how dull things can really be for this guy. And I actually do like that concept, but going back to what we said earlier, that's all ruined by how long it is. Like the entire first hour feels like it could have easily been condensed to 30 minutes if they had just fleshed out scenes a little more and gave you a more clear-cut look into people's mindsets rather than have these sort of stand-up comedy routines that go on for like four minutes and then not end up actually leading to anything. Yeah, exactly. And um, with a lot of it, it's almost as if the stakes are at zero at the beginning of the movie. There's no stakes. He's at his lowest point, And then we don't actually go up from anywhere until we get to the third act where he has to turn his life around because he gets kicked out of the house. Like, that is... I think one of the biggest stakes moments that we get because before then Scott has been living his life easy breezy with no huge um, issues and then the biggest issue he gets is getting kicked out of the house and now he has stakes because he has nowhere to go, he's got nowhere to sleep and he has to figure this out now. For most of it as his character in the beginning of the movie, he has no pressure to figure out his life. Mm-hmm. Um until we hit this point where him and Ray get into the argument, they both get kicked out, and then they're both forced to go to the fire station, which I think the fire station is the best part of this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, this is a perfect segue into this, because we both started this episode saying, yeah, we really, really like this movie, and it seems like we've been bashing it for like the last like 10 minutes. It's not about bashing it. The one thing about this movie is you're going to have to accept that it it is too long, which, I mean, I keep going back to that, but... That's one of the biggest downfalls of of the first act of this movie, and that's why I want to get into the next act of this movie now, is because this is where the movie really kicks into gear, and this is where a lot of its most likable moments and where it really gets good come from. Like, there's there's very enjoyable stuff in the first half, but it's just dragged on so long that you're like, when are, is anything going to actually happen? And then when he gets kicked out and he starts this whole plot... Of, uh, of trying to actually wor- like work and find himself a bit, that's where the movie really takes takes shape and becomes what we like so much about it. Because for me, I, I'm, I'm going to say my rating now, I would give this movie either a 3.5 out of 5 or a 4. I'm torn because there's a lot I like about it. But once it, once it kicks into gear with um, Scott getting kicked out of his mom's house, with her sort of just having enough of his, of his shit, he ends up moving into the fire hall uh, with Ray. 
And that's where the movie sort of really starts to take the shape that it has for the rest of the movie where so much of its likable moments come from. Yeah. And once once Pete essentially gets kicked out of his house, we kind of see him try a couple different ways to uh, find a place to stay. Like he goes to see his friend who's in jail um, and is like, hey, can I stay at your house? Um, and we also get him going to his uh, best friend who's he kind of had some kind of relationship with it's weird um i think i think she's just a childhood best friend that has feelings for him that he's just been sort of hooking up with yeah um and we see him go there and essentially try and stay there for a bit but that doesn't work out and so he's left with the only option to go to the firehouse where ray is um ray is played we haven't even mentioned this ray is played by bill burr uh, who does a really good job in this. This movie's filled with a lot of comedians. It's got Bill Burr. Steve Buscemi is like the chief of the firehouse. Um, and MGK is in it too, right? As like a little cameo as one of the tattoo artists in a tattoo parlor. Which, as a fan of Big Time Adolescence, which is, you know, Pete's previous movie, uh, which I really liked, it's it's funny to see MGK in this because I know Pete and MGK are pretty good friends in real life, but it must have been like filmed in close proximity or something. And he was like, hey, you want a cameo in this movie? Yeah. Um, but this is kind of where we get that, um, uh, well, like I said previously when I talked about identity plays, by the way, I will not take credit for that idea. I was <laughs> I was talking to a really good friend of mine uh, last night, and she said that she hasn't seen the movie, but when she watched the trailer, it kind of felt like this identity play kind of thing where we see these ver- this version of Pete trying to figure out who himself is, who he is, and really figuring out his identity. And that's what we get from the firehouse. He goes to this firehouse filled with um, firefighters. An interesting thing is that a lot of these actors are actual firefighters, actual New York firefighters. Really? Um, yeah, who are, like, trained professionals. And I, I would not even be surprised if that he used that for the scene where they actually go out and fight the fire. Cause it feels really, I really like that scene cause it feels like an actual fire. Like Pete Davidson is standing there watching this all happen. It feels like actual firefighters. It feels very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of just standing there cause he doesn't know what to do. Um, but so Pete goes to this firehouse and is essentially starts living there and working there and becoming friends with the other firefighters there, including Ray, who hated him for a bit, but then they like grow this really good relationship. And it's a huge moment for Pete's character because he starts to get a little direction in his life. Um, and the firefighters put him to work, and he really feels like he belongs. And we get this really funny cameo from Action Bronson. Yes, um, yes, yes. I wanted to bring this up. I was waiting the whole episode to talk about this. <laughs> he just, like, strolls up to the fire. Like, Pete's sitting there as all the firefighters are gone out to fight a fire. And he's sitting there in a chair. And Action Bronson walks up with, like, a stab wound. And he's like, hey, man, can you just give me some help? Uh, I just need some uh, medical assistance. You don't got to call aiming or anything just just from you because obviously something bad had happened he didn't want to get the cops called on him and then they go to the er and it's super funny because action bronson just keeps saying these uh, different random reasons why he's stabbed like he's like it's not a stab i just fell in a thorn bush and stuff like that <laughs> and then pete davidson sitting by him trying to fill out the form and he goes 
yo, man, can we just switch identities? Like, can you just put all your driver's license stuff in? And Pete's like, we look nothing alike. It's this, <laughs> it's this really funny moment. Um, also, how do you like my action Bronson accent? I think it's pretty You nailed on. it. You nailed it. <laughs> um, but it's this really funny moment that we get that's also super serious. And I think that's, I think that's really where the balance of comedy and seriousness really works with this movie is in the firehouse because it is such a serious location um, to contrast Pete Davidson, who is this guy who's complaining about cleaning and working and all this stuff when all they do there is clean and work. And um, it's a really nice contrast for his character. And he also learns a lot about his dad from the other firefighters. Yeah. Um, um, I hate to interrupt, but I just wanted to go back to the action Bronson scene right quick because uh, he actually doesn't tell him if he got shot or stabbed pete's like did you get shot or did you get stabbed and he like he comes up with some weird excuse he's like uh, <laughs> you know man it's it's not a big deal he's like no did you get shot or did you get stabbed and he's no, like i think i think what he says is he's like um yeah my vape exploded in my pocket <laughs> yeah. and i was playing tennis and I, then i fell and tripped like he's delusionally making up all these random excuses yeah um, and i love how when the scene starts he walks up and he's like, I'm, I just need help from you, man. And Pete's like, dude, I just smoked a joint. I am way too high for this. And it's just funny imagery of like, you just smoked a joint. You're fr- you're, you just got high. And then some dude walks up and he's like, hey, man, I just got shot. Can you help me out? Literally. Like, it's just, and there's a lot of funny little moments like that with Pete Davidson's character where a lot of the humor is based on how high he is and how he's not prepared for any situation that life throws at him. <laughs> Like the scene where he's outside of the fire station and he's smoking a joint and then the firefighters come by and he just shoots that joint right in his mouth. <laughs> it burns his tongue. And he spit and then like the dude walks by, he spits it out and like it's uh, yeah, I think that's why the fire station works really well is because um it's essentially Pete turning his his character kind of turning his life around. Um and we also get that from Bill Burr's character where he lets Pete tattoo his back for practice. And once we see all the stuff that he's put on his back, we're shown like these ridiculous looking tattoos and all this awful stuff. And then the camera gets to the top of his back and it's a picture of um, Pete's character and his sister and his mom and Ray and um, Pete's actual dad up in the sky. Like, just his face on the sun and yeah exactly and it's this super meaningful tattoo mixed with all these other crazy horrible stuff um but it's kind of a good representation i think of his character where we know that he's never going to change completely but this is the start of him becoming like better yeah like he's he's always going to have that goofy side of his personality that's over the top but at the end of the day he is now 24 and finally starting to view life in a different light and start to finally take things seriously. And yeah. I, I do agree that I wish we had gotten more time in this movie in the, in the fire hall because so much of it in the fire hall works so well. Like it lets his character grow. And I just wish that we had gotten less of the movie messing around with him in the first half and, and more of us getting to watch him actually grow because the moments that really work in this movie are, are, are the serious moments. And I wish the movie wasn't so afraid to not be a comedy movie. Like, it, it's trying very hard to honor 
the roots of Pete Davidson's past and, and Judd Apatow as a director in his uh, filmography. But this movie, in my opinion, some of its best moments are the serious moments. And I wish it, obviously, it's still okay to be a comedy movie, but I wish it didn't feel so barred down to trying to be a comedy movie and felt more entitled to being serious when it needed to be. Yeah, and I I think that's really well shown in, there's a bar scene with all the firefighters where they're all in a bar and some of the firefighters knew um, Scott's dad and they kind of tell some funny stories that Scott's never heard before because his mother never told him like the crazy wild stuff his dad did. Um, and this kind of ties into one of the things you want to talk about, which is how genuine some of these conversations feel. Like some of these characters are just stuttering over words and it, it doesn't feel like a script. It feels like they're actually telling stories around a table. It feels very real. Yeah, and the, the movie does have a very strong hold over its characters and not only its characters, but the personality types that it's displaying. Like it is very well done with all of its stoner comedy that it does with Pete Davidson. And it's also very... Uh, relatable with stepping into the shoes of this this guy who's 24 and he feels like life has sort of slipped by him and it's never really gave him much to look forward to so all he does is get high and everybody else is telling him he needs to take things so serious and he needs to work towards himself and he's just like can't I just smoke some more weed and it's this yeah. it's this dude who he feels like everything's just sort of passed him by and there's no point in him building towards something for himself but as he starts to sort of form this bond at the fire hall and form these very human connections with these people who all inspire him so much, like these guys, you can really see it in a lot of Pete Davidson's acting, which is incredible in this movie. I really just want to emphasize Pete Davidson is great in this movie. Um, yeah, he does a really good job um, as the character, which is obviously himself. Um, but he brings that Pete Davidson kind of flair to it, and it's a lot of fun. And... Um, one thing I just wanted to say was how you're talking about the bond he shares with these firefighters. I'm sure a lot of them probably remind him of his dad. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what really makes that connection meaningful is that he, in the, most of the movie, he's been hating Ray because he's another firefighter. Like, how could his mom do that? How could his mom betray his dad like that? Um, until he realizes that, it's just the type of person that these firefighters are. They're heroes. They're people who risk their life every single day. And um, that's kind of what Pete Davidson didn't realize, is that it's his mother loves these heroes, and these heroes are people that the world needs. And he just had this resentment because of his father dying in a fire. And he just has this resentment towards Ray that is unfair until he goes and actually lives the life that Ray does and starts to understand that. Yeah, he's he's so angry that he's been stripped away of of having that father figure throughout his childhood that when he finally has that father figure, he's angry that he is now replacing the father figure that he's never had. And yeah, it, it, yeah, it works really well and I think Pete Davidson and Bill Burr have some very good chemistry on screen. They they play this bond from the minute they first meet each other where they hate each other and Pete Davidson's this, this shithead who gave his son a tattoo and then as they start to flesh it out a little bit more you can see that he's he's just this dad who wants to be a part well like now that he's dating Pete Davidson's mom or Scott's mom he wants to be a part of this kid's life and sort of give him some guidance but Pete Davidson's character is so angry at the fact that his dad is being replaced in his eyes that he's not willing to ever see 
uh, Ray for who he really is until later in the movie when they're at the fire hall. Yeah, and that I kind of think that's why the fire hall is the best part of this movie, and it's it's really why it caught my attention compared to the rest of the movie because we just get to see this raw version of his character and he's essentially degraded to nothing now he is has no place to go nowhere to sleep no money and he goes to the one place that he knows that he could probably stay and it is his last option and he plays like the card he actually talks about playing the card of like if you hate to ray it's like if you hate me then my mom's gonna hate you forever so yeah let me stay here (laughs) yeah he's like you be nice to me or you've officially ruined your chances of getting back together with her yeah um now i just really quickly want to talk about the final half of the movie which sort of shows pete davidson fixing the relationships that he's fucked up in his uh in his blindness going out and talking to the girl that he had been sleeping with who's you know throughout the movie had feelings for him and he goes out and he tells her like that he wants to be with her and everything. And he helps her. And I think he takes her to her test, right? Yeah, he takes her to her civil something test. Right. And then the movie ends as he walks her to the door and he turns around. And I think, I'm, I'm not sure, I didn't see this online, but I'm assuming that's what it was. He looks up towards the skyline of New York City and I'm assume, I think he's looking towards where the Twin Towers were, right? I'm not sure. That's what that's what I took from it because he looks up and you see him look towards a certain direction and my mom said it. She's the one who pointed it out. She's like, I think he's looking off towards the Twin Towers, which is where his real life father passed away. So I, that's a pretty awesome nod. And then it proceeds to have a picture of Pete and his dad and it says, in memory of uh, Scott Davidson, to close the movie. Yeah, and uh, just in case you didn't get that connection there, Pete's character is named after his father, his real life father, Scott. Um, and I, that would make so much more sense because I was actually wanted to talk about that last scene. I thought it was so weird how long he's looking, um, over there as the camera just pans in. It's just there for a little too long, but now it makes sense. If he is looking towards the Twin Towers, that makes more sense if it's supposed to be meaningful like that. Because Mm -hmm. I, I thought when I saw it, I was like, that was a really long shot of him just staying in the same spot for the same time looking off in the distance. Um, but if that's true, that makes so much more sense now. Yeah. Um, I think for the character, for the character himself, he's looking off into the skyline and finally getting some clarity on his life. But for Pete, it's sort of this, uh, moment where he, he's honoring his father at the ending of his movie, which is really sweet. If that's what it is doing, I'm sure there'll be talks online about what it actually stands for in the next couple of days. But if that's what it is, that's what I took from it. That's a great way of ending your movie. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of moments in this movie that really honor uh, Pete's father, and I'm sure that's one of the big things that he wanted to make sure happened. Like, for example, in the scene where all the firefighters in the bar, they start singing the song One Headlight by the Wallflowers, and uh, I was reading that it was that song was Pete and his dad's favorite song as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just, there's a little moment sprinkled in there that I'm sure are very... Uh, meaningful for him and his dad and that relationship um but yeah that makes so much more sense for that ending scene because i thought it was weird but now i'm totally fine with it yeah it makes a lot more sense when you view it from pete davidson himself sort of less of the character yeah um do you have anything else to say about king of staten island yeah i just i'll give my final thoughts on this movie because it did seem like 
uh, towards the middle of this uh, podcast episode, we were being a little harsh on it. And there, there are things about this movie that I would certainly change and things that do lessen the impact of what it could have done to me. That being said, the things that work here really work for me. And the blends of the seriousness and the comedy for the most part in a lot of scenes really work for me. But uh, yeah, I, I really like this movie. And I think if I had to choose between giving it a three and a half or a four, I'd probably actually settle with the three and a half just because I hope, or I was, I was hoping more of it would have centered around that sort of fire hall segment, which is incredible. And the first half of the movie is really good. Still. It just spends way too long doing nothing to the point that it, it negatively affects how much you can enjoy them doing nothing. Cause it is, it is still enjoyable to watch Pete Davidson's character just sort of live each day doing nothing. And I, it's it's entertaining, but they just push it so long to the point where you're like, okay, when's the plot kicking in? And then it kicks in an hour and a half into a two hour and 15 minute movie. And then you have 45 minutes of the fire hall and him working on his life. And that, that all works very well. But yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. And I, I would definitely suggest you go and you rent it and you watch it if you're willing to get over the fact that it has a very long runtime and that is its biggest flaw. Yeah, um, I, I would agree that we kind of, in the middle of this podcast it sounded like we were ripping on this movie it is a good movie um it just goes a little too long and for me there's a lot of moments where it just didn't connect the way i think he would have wanted it to mm-hmm. and i kind of felt cringy and weird um but that last 45 minutes like you said is amazing it's fantastic um and my rating for this movie i give it a three um just because it is a good movie. I did enjoy it, but I didn't need to wait an hour and a half to get to the good part of the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of powerful things behind this movie. Like one of them uh, that we didn't even mention uh, that I'm just going to quickly bring up is the influence of Kid Cudi for Pete Davidson as a person. Uh, so he gl- said so glad you brought times, this up. Yeah, he said a lot that um, Kid Cudi is very influential for him in his life. And Kid Cudi is like frequently throughout the soundtrack as the beginning song, um, twice in the middle of the movie somewhere, and then as the very last song is the Pursuit of Happiness, um, and it's the like when the song came on at the end, Pursuit of Happiness, I heard it, and I was like, okay, this is really fitting. Mm-hmm. It it does really well in the movie, um, but. Honestly, I really did enjoy this movie. It was fun. I liked it. It did take a little while for me to get really invested into it, but it is a good movie. And Pete Davidson is an amazing actor, and he deserves more praise than he gets, in my opinion. I agree. And there's so many scenes in this movie that are hilarious, and I would have loved to discuss those scenes in particular. It's a comedy movie, so if you're going to watch it, I would hate to just sit here, or like, for if anybody's listening, I would hate to just sit here and be like, this joke was funny, and this joke was funny, but yeah. the movie, it does work really well with its humor when it when it wants to. There are parts that don't, but overall, there are a lot of really funny moments, and going to what you said about Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi was a musician for me that also had a pretty big impact on me, not in the same way, I'm assuming, with Pete Davidson, but I, I did listen to a lot of Kid Cudi, uh, in middle school, and I, I'm a huge fan of him, so to hear his music rec- uh, frequent so much throughout the soundtrack was awesome, and to see it end on Pursuit of Happiness put a huge smile on my face. I love that song, and yeah, this is a great movie. Yeah, so check it out. Um, give Pete Davidson the credit he deserves, because 
regardless of anything that we've said, it is his. It is a movie about his life. It is his first movie he's ever written, um, and it's um, it's a really good movie. Uh, so yeah, that's all about. That's pretty much all I have to say about King of Staten Island. I think me too. You can you can see Pete Davidson next on the big screen in James Gunn's reboot of the Suicide Squad franchise. What? Yeah, you didn't know that he's in it. Who does he play? I don't know, but he's. Uh, it's got a huge cast, and yeah, it, Pete Davidson was announced to be in that movie. I don't know if they've announced his character. Let me see if I can find it right quick. Dude, if he is not Captain Boomerang, we're gonna be really upset. I need Pete Davidson with a really bad Australian accent. As I a think, guy who throws around boomerangs. <laughs> I think they're keeping the actor who played Captain Boomerang from the original Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, uh, Pete Davidson's character is not announced. It Literally, like, the one day ago, there's an article that says, Suicide Squad star Pete Davidson teases details of his mysterious character. So, hmm. we'll find out. But I'm excited to see him in that as well. He, oh no. Pete Davidson's the next Joker. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> he's He's playing Jared Leto's Joker. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I actually would love to see that. I'm not even going to lie. I, I, I would pay money to see that. Oh, man. I would pay money to see it, too, but it'd be bad. It would be bad, but that's why I'd pay the money. <laughs> I'd still support him. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, you can check out our other episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much any streaming service. And you can check out our Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast. Or our individual Instagrams. Mine is at Wesley Giffen. And I am at Hayden Kutris. And you can find us at the same names on Letterboxd. Exactly. Um, to check out our reviews or other movies that we like. Stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us. And um, we'll see you next time. Yeah, take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.